As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey, while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. And I am excited, and I'm looking at them because we're on Zoom, which makes it so much more fun. I'm excited to reconvene our arch rivals at ESPN, Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan. Dom and I have been talking about doing this and getting everyone back together to talk about our preseason list. And we're not going to rehash it too much, Greg, about our, our rankings or our, our tiers versus your guys' top 100. But we do want to use it as a way to touch point middle of the season as we are past the trade deadline, looking forward, almost to say, like, who has not performed up to our standards? And who is, and actually, really, more, more or less to say, who was right between us? I think before we start, it's important to establish how you feel about us. Do you see us as sort of the mm. in cheers parlance, the Gary's Old Town Tavern to your cheers? Mm-hmm. Do you see us uh, in video game parlance as the Wario and Waluigi to your Mario and Luigi? How does it work? I, I know exactly. I know how he views us as the most intense competition because. He didn't even let us know beforehand what we were going to talk about. Yeah, no, that's true. There there was no prep time. We thought we were coming in talking about the trade deadline. That's all my prep. So yeah. I'm coming into this cold. Do you want to talk about I'm I'm so sick of the trade deadline uh, and talking about <laughs> trades that I don't even think I have it in me. I would be happy to completely no. change gears. We could change. We could do whatever you want, Craig. We, we, but but I, I agree with Emily. I mean, there was a certain amount of uh, obfuscation yeah. in this uh, in this setup. I mean, Gamesmanship. we came into this. Yeah, we came into this blind. Well, really. in in our defense, Dom just woke up and that wasn't didn't even know he was doing this. So, mm-hmm. so I, I would say we're over prepared on Team Athletic. To, I would say I look at you guys. I, I think the Cheers is a is a good. Although I think Cheers loses all the time to Gary's old. Isn't that the shtick where they never beat them at softball or bowling? So I would do not look at you. I don't think yeah. we're, like, we're taking constant L's <laughs> over here. Plus, at, so, at some point, if memory serves, we'll have to bring on Kevin McHale as a ringer uh, to try to beat you in some sort of basketball game. I don't know. I used to watch a lot of Cheers when it was on at like late night. Can we? Make, is there a reference that maybe Dom? Because Dom's over there going, Gary's old time. T- this is we're, we're, this is an immediate. Um, even the Super Mario, well, maybe Dom. Aren't me and Emily no, the Dom same age? The, what? Dom? Aren't me and Emily around the same age? I'm a little lost too. It's okay. They just forgot about me. Okay. Dom, you get Dom, you get a Waluigi reference, right? Yeah. All right. That's why I, I Craig, I made one reference for us and one reference for the kids. Mm, that was good. <laughs> Who? All right. So I, I think I, I look at us. Cheers. I would say we're more. We're all inside the bar together at Cheers talking, and we're just the different people. Like I'm the male guy or whatever. Like that's Cliff Clavin. <laughs> Wait, you think you're Cliff? Dom's on this call, and you think you're Cliff Clavin? <laughs> is that good? Hey, Nami. Nami is uh, his uh, game value score is. Uh... <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Uh, it was a sitcom long. popular in the eighties. Uh, I, I know that I got that far. Um, I know Ted Danson was on it. Mm-hmm. That's Woody. That's, that's about it. Launched the career of a young Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, yeah. Mm. I'd like to be Woody Harrelson. 
Okay, I think Emily would oh, be... Oh, I think you're definitely the most likable person in this podcast, Emily, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> uh, let's see. So you'd be... you. So you fancy yourself as Cliff. That means by proxy, I'm Norm. I'm not... Cl- I just... That was the first... Per- I am not fancying myself as anybody. Let me be clear there. That was just the first character that came to my head. I just remembered. Oh, I seen- what are we doing? Dom's Frasier. Come on. Yeah, Dom's Frasier. Dom is 100% Frasier. Who are you, Greg? Well, if you're again, if you're taking Cliff, I'm I'm Norm. But I guess I would be Norm. I want to be Sam in, alone. Uh, can I be Sam alone? You can be Sam. I'll be. Uh, I'm Norm, both in uh, cynicism, uh, consumption, and uh, square footage. I think I'm Norm for all these things. <laughs> all right. Well, so let, let's talk about. Well, first of all, the the one story I want to get, Dom. I just want you to tell how you were locked out of Twitter. That <laughs> only because I'm curious. And if you're listening to this and you don't know what I mean. On the biggest day of the year in terms of Twitter interest and where we needed Dom's charts the most, I would say as a company, <laughs> um, he disappeared and then blamed, I don't know, a hacker, which is like, isn't that what we all blame when things go sideways? We just say we were hacked. Can you tell the what, what in the world happened, Dom? Uh, so Sunday night after Taylor Hall got traded, um, me and Wiz got into a huge Twitter fight. And I'm pretty sure he sent his army to disband my Twitter account. That's the only reasonable explanation, I think, hmm. that could happen. Um, so I'm going to blame Wiz. Well, you know, <laughs> I think what you're trying to say is that, you know, as a Ukrainian, I might know some people that could do such things. Uh, and you'd be right. Uh, but in this case, I was so tired after you know, working until like three, covering all this nonsense. That I, I really missed California that night in a big, pretty big way, having to stay up to like three o'clock in the morning covering trades that were being made by West Coast teams. But no, I did not. Um, I did not lock you out of your Twitter account. Although the thing that really disturbs me about your story, Dom, is the is the fact that someone someone got as far as to disable your two two step authorization. Yeah, um, which is like a level of authorization necessary to achieve that that is like how do you get that far i'm very confused by the whole thing i have no idea and i woke up to this email saying that it's been disabled and i thought isn't the point of having this so this (laughs) exists so no one's in my account and it's it's the secret third step that says your two-step has been yeah has been hacked so (laughs) yeah i I don't know scary yeah like why have the two thing if you can't if someone can disable it that's And apparently that was sketchy enough for Twitter to be like, okay, hold on, maybe we should lock this account down and make sure nothing happens. And thankfully they did do that. I didn't want to get Berkshired and have my account tweets random, silly nonsense (laughs) and be locked out for five days. Uh, So I'm happy it was only one day. Uh, I don't know. That was some of the best content Andrew created, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The... um, so then poor, poor Haley had to be proxy <laughs> Dom and um, which I thought she did. So what, what, were you just slacking to just sending her things in the back? Is that I just texted saying? her saying, hey, do you want to be chart girl for the day? And she was on board, but didn't really understand what was happening. So I just sent her charts and she's like, what do I say? I'm like, just say what I said. And then she said, no, that's mean. And so I think she added that to one of the tweets. All right. Well, let, let, let me start here with this because because it is timely with the trade deadline. So we can actually talk a little trade deadline. And it became, I think Greg made fun of us for ha- having Anthony Mantha on one of our tiers, which was we had him in our lowest tier, but which mm-hmm. would still have made him one of our top 100 players. Oh, we, on your top your top 100 list. We, we initially had him, yeah. So we're, if we're, we're yeah, playing okay, to yeah. our first argument. We had him in our top as one of the top tier players. You guys didn't have him in your top 100. Greg made fun of us, I think, at one point. Greg, that's me. Um, and M. <laughs> it was mean, I thought, and and I remember it all very clearly. Um, so let's 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 use Anthony Mantha both as a way to talk about the list and um, about the trade deadline. Let me start with Emily because because I'm curious. How did we think of uh, that deal, and 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 were we wrong to have him in the top 100 based on what we've seen from him? This mm, great questions all around. When I look at that deal, the first thing I think is this is just all Brian McClellan looking for cap certainty, right? Or cost certainty. Mm. Um, That's, I think, at the heart of it. My first thought was, wow, this is a lot just to get Richard Panik's contract off your books. But I know there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, But, you know, 
I think when I look at this deal and I look at, you know, other deals around the deadline, specifically Taylor Hall, it's all about what that player has done in the system they're in and their role they're in and how they might look different in a lesser role or a different system. And so for Anthony Mantha, you know, probably the reason he was disrespected on our list is that he's a great player playing for a very bad team. And we, you know, we get to see him and Dylan Lark and do some really cool things, but they're also tasked with, you know, coming from behind and leads and all of this stuff. Now with the Capitals, you know, you throw him on the second or third line, he has a little bit of a lesser role and he can play a huge role for them. And maybe he makes a top 100 list next year. Dom, the interesting thing about Anthony Mantha to me is um, I get complaints about him that wouldn't show up in the numbers, right? Like all the things you hear about Anthony Mantha is he's a big body who doesn't use his big body well. He's he's not consistent. He's not engaged all the time. He's frustrating to coaches because he doesn't always um, – all these – like you heard this going back to junior, right? Like with this, mm-hmm. with this kid. Um, and did – I don't know where he is on your numbers right now or, or, or how he's stacked up, but he, you know, he was, you're just, all that stuff just doesn't fly. You're just looking at it. So like, how, how does this trade check out just numbers wise? Uh, it's interesting. Cause if we, if the trade would happened a year ago when we had him on this top 100 list, I think it would be a fair deal because Mantha was this really good player who did well, who was one of the top dogs on Detroit and, on a bad team, still was able to outscore opponents somehow, some way. Yeah. Still not sure how that happened. And then this year, all the complaints about Mantha, I think, were justified because mm. he has not been anywhere close to the same player. And that's where I think that the ESPN crew was correct in their early evaluation of Mantha, that I don't think he probably was worthy. Uh, there are a lot of other places where they were wrong, don't worry. But that one was <laughs> like how we had was Alex Ovechkin and goal scoring weighted as a good thing, a positive. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 actually looking at the differences right now. If you want me to go over Rasmus Dahlin at 49 and Patrick Line at 50, but I digress. And back well, to, those uh, are great examples <laughs> though of, of what I was saying though, and it's, I feel like both of those players, it's all about role and fit, right? For Rasmus Dahlin, I don't think he's a bad player at all. I think he was rushed into his development, has been on a really sucky team. And we don't have a clear picture of who he is. And for Line, like, we know he had some issues with Winnipeg. It doesn't seem like he's jobbing well with his role in Columbus. Like, if we finally can get this kid mm-hmm. on the right team, like, he's probably a top 20 player. Mm-hmm. No? But he's not <laughs> right now. I live in hypotheticals, This is our main point. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> um, the hypothetical for me is, uh, how does Jacob Vrana look not playing 13 minutes per night? And what he looks as what he looks like in Detroit getting a bigger role and whether he can continue his high efficiency. Cause if you look at per 60 numbers, he has been better than Mantha at scoring over the past three years. That's it. He'll get that role. So the, uh, when I was evaluating it and sending texts out, one of the responses I got was for a guy like Verona is, is um, less valuable to the Washington in that division in the playoffs mm-hmm. because of his size and, and how maybe his game doesn't translate to the playoffs and they thought Brian McClellan was making a bet um, that Mantha, what you, you know, if if you're worried that he doesn't engage, well, if you're trying to get the better playoff player out of these two players in particular, um, chances are big bodied Anthony Mantha is going to be engaged in a playoff game, right? And we don't know that because we've never seen him play in the playoffs. I, I believe I don't think he's ever been in the playoffs. But we we've seen Verana, and he's gotten like what is it, thirteen or fifteen games without a point, in, yeah, in the postseason. And I, I mean, what you just said is what basically what Peter Laviolette said on the day after the trade, which is that, you know, we, we look at our needs um, and what we need as far as physicality and that type of player wasn't what Verana would ever give us. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. But I think more importantly, can I get Dom to just say the part mm-hmm. about ESPN being right mm-hmm. again? I'm trying to get a new ringtone. Mm. Okay. And I just need a um, clean, a clean. Edit. ESPN was right about this one specific <laughs> thing. <laughs> Sorry, was I, I thought I was muted. Oh, it's I thought my mic ter- was muted. Ter- <laughs> terrible allergies. I know. No, I think. I think. The, I think. Hey, listen. I, I to go back to the whole list tier debate. Yeah. Whatever. I, I think the the thing you heard most from people about this deal is that. Um, it is it is still very squarely based in the realm of potential. 
And um, the payment that the Capitals gave the the Red Wings, like Emily said, is partially based on on economics and trying to get you know the panic contract mm-hmm. off your books and things like that. But it's also a, a case of thinking that you know if you put this guy with uh, you know Backstrom and and Oshie, uh for a good amount of time and and uh, put him in in that system and and uh, see what he can do in a in a division where even when Boston's not in it, it's still a pretty black and blue division when it comes to the style of play. Uh, then, then maybe we look back on this and say, hey, this is great. Or we look back on it and say, wow, I can't believe this guy has this much contract term left and he didn't work out. Doesn't that suck? He's a pretty good contract. <laughs> it's not a bad contract. It's it's pretty good. I, you know, if you're worried about motivation, is he a guy you want with, with that term? I don't know. You know, I, he'd be a guy you'd love to string along, but I think that can also cost you more in the long run because it is a good... Here's where I'm at on Anthony Mantha. I just... I think we have to like temper our expectations and just say, look, this is, we've seen enough. The sample size is large enough. This is what you're going to get from Anthony Mantha. Essentially. He's, you know, it's 25 to maybe 30 goals and he's going to make, he's going to be really good. He's got a great shot and he's going to, and he's going to have his moments. But like, if you expect him to score 40, you're going to be disappointed. And I think people see flashes and there, and he does, he goes on these, you know, he'll go on a streak where it's yeah. like, boy, this guy's unbelievable. But like, that's, I mean, just, but don't you think that's the baseline and we don't know where the ceiling is? Uh, yeah, but how, like, don't we start talking, stop talking about ceilings with players when they're Anthony Mantha's age? Oh, now you sound like Lambert, where he wants to kill everybody <laughs> over the age of 25 in this league because they're worthless. <laughs> and eat the rich, also. <laughs> uh, like, no, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, but like, at some point, you're not going to have your breakthrough as a forward as a 29. I guess my point I was making earlier is, okay, if he's going to 25 to 30 goals, stick him on the second line left wing. That's more than they were getting from that position. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the cost certainty, the, the, the cap, the cap was such a big factor this year in, in the, uh, at the deadline. All, you know, we saw kind of picks being, you know, cap space being laundered through the sharks and, you know, you have to factor all of that in. And, and someone said at one point, like, this was almost like two different trades. If you just look at it, what what the price paid for Mantha and what the price paid for the for Panic. And if you look at that, you don't think it's a huge overpayment um, as much. And I think, like, people in their, their and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this, didn't always factor cap space in or even cost a player, right? Like, Nick Felino at his number is more valuable than Taylor Hall at his number, whatever. Cap space is an asset and it's part of the equation. And And I do think, you know, removing, I think, cost certainty, not knowing what players were going to cost in the future. I think that was a big part of this. I think that's a... Yeah. I think Emily's right there. Emily's right um, there. The other, so the while we're on now. it... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's 2-0, two, two oh, I believe, as far as being right. Well, you can, so right in the in the moment in her point about Anthony Mantha. But also right not to have him in your... Like, if you're doing a top 100 right now, he's probably not in it. He's probably not in ours. So... Uh, point one for ESPN in that in that regard. Um, the other one we we had Taylor Hall. It, it, now that I'm looking at it, 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 pretty there was a pretty big gap. We liked Taylor Hall know. much better than around. you did, I think, or flip yeah. reverse it. You <laughs> liked Taylor Hall much better than we did. Um, oh, you yeah, know, there's really a lot of Devils fans who <laughs> voted for this. They remember that one. There. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> at ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So obviously Taylor Hall, like we were right, I guess, if we're going to just assess Taylor Hall's performance. Um, but le- like looking forward, do you can you still mm. win this with his, the fit in Boston? We were right. I'd like we to right. ask Dom about this performance. Do you believe that you guys were right? Because I understand that two goals in thirty-seven games is not how you evaluate someone like Taylor Hall. It is not how you evaluate someone like Taylor Hall. Look at their shooting um, percentage, right? I, it, yeah. And you look at how many goals you'd expect and you look at how many goals Taylor Hall normally scores and maybe look at his assists sometimes and think, well, he plays with Casey Middlestat sometimes, so that's probably too low. <laughs> um, I, I was looking at his line mates uh, today and saw there was a stretch. He, he played with Eichel for 10 games and then the Sabres were like, yeah, well, we can't just have one line, so let's just fuck around with this and put him with Casey Middlestat and Tage Thompson, see how he does. And that didn't go well obviously no. why i can't believe it yeah you, you, it's it's so weird and <laughs> i am really looking forward to seeing him play on a second line with Krejci and 
another analytics darling in Craig Smith. And I think that is a really good fit based on some of the track data that is out there with Taylor Hall being very good at passing into high danger areas and Craig Smith basically living in high danger areas and shooting mm. as much as he wants to. And then there's also David Krejci in there. So I, I like that fit a lot. And I think he will be a lot better in Boston than he was in Buffalo, obviously. I, I'm i looking forward to tonight's game. I really hope Hall just surpasses his goal total in one night. I think that'll be hilarious. <laughs> I was I was struck by how low his shooting percentage was. I think like five out of six years, it was under 10%. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that he's, I don't know, either because of that anomalous year in Jersey or his early years in Edmonton had the reputation of being a goal scorer. And he's kind of not. He's not. Mm-hmm. A, he's an yeah. elite one, yeah. Yeah, and people expect him. They still see Hall as a goal scorer. Score. I think he was that in junior as well when he's mm-hmm. much more gifted as a playmaker. Yeah, when he was going first overall, it wasn't for like, oh, he's such a good playmaker. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, the 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 price tag on him. Mm-hmm. So, do, did you guys? So, Dom crushed the trade. Dom, now that we have a little bit more perspective on the the no trade situation, do we? Feel, mm-hmm. And I and I don't know how Emily and Greg reacted. I I saw Greg defending on Twitter a lot of the the deal in terms of price paid. Do you feel like Dom? You were. How do you feel about? the F minus or whatever you gave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still think you can create a, a better market for a player. I understand the no move clause. I think the F minus probably belongs more to uh, other teams, um, perhaps from the city I live in that uh, opted for a different player. <laughs> um it's a it's a tough spot that Buffalo is in, obviously, but I think teams know they can take advantage of Buffalo, and I I still am not sure why they uh, did it the night before. Yeah, when you can see the next day that Sam Bennett goes for a second round pick and be like, "Look, I know Taylor Hall sucks this year, but this is Sam Bennett going for a second round pick." They weren't getting any better days offers the next day, though. Hmm. That's where I stood with it, and. From my not understand, the offers were really underwhelming. I think there's a couple different interesting high-level takeaways from this. One, it just seems that the trade deadline, no one wants to pay for past performance. It's all about future projection and fit. And I think if you look at the guys that went um, got the most out of them, they all have playoff experience. They're described as gritty, having all the intangibles. Literally everyone in this league, it's a copycat league. It's all about recency bias they're looking for a bark like good uh good and blake coleman um and i feel like that's what you know why nick felina was way more valuable to teams than a taylor hall um he's another guy too though you put him in a lesser role lesser spotlight like i think he can work and i think you know maybe the reason he was undervalued is maybe people just didn't know about his motivation level because we're just kind of assuming oh he's going to be so motivated to get a new contract and he's going to play great well like can you flip that switch overnight Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had someone raise that when I was saying, hey, it was a team that I, I, you know, was interested in Taylor Hall. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what's the debate like in the back when you're talking? And it's like, yeah, we have guys in the room that are saying, hey, get him here in and put him in the situation and he's going to be great because he's going to be motivated and he's going to be in a playoff run. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but the counter was from other people was, hey, I'm sure Buffalo was saying the same thing. Like put him on a one year contract, play him with Jack mm-hmm. Eichel, which they didn't, as Tom pointed out, didn't go particularly He played well with Jack yeah. Eichel, though. And then they couldn't because Jack Eichel was unavailable. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like that is, that is a, you know, it's interesting for you to say that because I know that those exact conversations were being Mm -hmm. had, like in evaluating his price. And, but at the end of the day, if Taylor Hall says, I'm going to one team and he sounded like, I don't know if he ever came out and said that. Um, Greg, I think you asked him that or you asked somebody. I I asked him that and he wouldn't, he wouldn't say whether he put the kibosh on other trades with the no move, but he basically said said that when he said that that you could say I wouldn't be in Boston without without having the no move clause. So I mean um you, you could read into that 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 was the market. I, I I mean Dom's assessment was I mean you're not necessarily taking in all that other stuff into mm-hmm. account, right? And and, yeah. and so that's completely understandable why you rated the trade the way that you did. I actually think that if you wanted to apply an F minus, it's probably to the contract. 
um, mm-hmm. because Kevin Adams structured that contract in a way. Well, first of all, he gave him a no move, which I guess maybe he had to do to get him there, even though I don't know who else is kicking $8 million to Taylor Hall necessarily at that point. But then the way he, he, he structured the contract with the um, $8 million you know, salary and a, only a $1 million signing bonus, I had GMs tell me that the amount of money owed to Taylor Hall for the duration of that contract after the trade was a, a factor. Like you look at the Jeff Carter deal. Um, and how much money Pittsburgh owes that guy for the rest of the year. And it's like a pitience compared to what a team would owe Taylor Hall. So I think you could, I, I, I was a very early Kevin Adams defender on the trade just because I feel like when you have a player with a no move that, I mean, I've heard from people around Taylor Hall going back four or five years that he wanted to be in Boston. So the minute the Bruins are a possibility, he's going to go to Boston. But I do think that Adams isn't free of criticism in, in the things that led up to that situation happening. Is Kevin like is Kevin Adams? Do we think he's capable of doing this job well? Like do, where like, I'm at with that is that I have empathy for Kevin Adams because yeah, yeah. seriously, you go and you get this job that you probably dreamed of your entire life, and you're given no support. They slash his scouting department. Um, he really doesn't have any senior people in his ear that have done this before, um, and it really just feels like the Pagulas had listened to the NHL's recommendations on hires the first couple of years. It wasn't working out. They're like, let's just go with someone I know. Um, and that's great. But like, there's a reason why they're not doing great. And so many other teams are figuring it out. And it just feels like there's no easy, clear path out for him. So I have empathy because I think he's been put in an impossible situation. I think it's, I think it's, it is, it is malfeasance if you allow this man to trade Jack Eichel. I don't mm. think that you can let let him be the person who makes that trade. I think you go and you bring in your, you know, Jimmy Rutherford level president of hockey operations, big brain type, uh, before you even let him have a conversation about trading Jack Eichel. I think his track record is uh, horrific right now insofar as getting a return for assets. Well, then he can't be your GM, right? Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you run our team but, and make all our but, transactions, but you're not allowed to trade. But I'm being a realist because he is their GM and he's their GM for a reason, which is that the owners picked him internally. Um, I want to go back to something that Dom said. Dom, you like you kind of implied that there was a way to game theory this to get more out of Boston. And, and I wonder if you almost have to take a loss. If you really wanted to do this, you have to. And I remember Brian Burke doing this at a deadline once. He was like, "I this was my asking price. I stuck to it, and I wasn't going to take less because you're you're making future trades with these same GMs." Yep. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. Is that, was that what your head was Boston at? was unwilling, no matter what, to give a first round pick. So no matter what package they're going to give them, it's not going to be a first round pick. So then you say, "No, we're not trading Taylor Hall, and we're going to yeah, eat it." And then next you're year, you're not going to trade him anywhere. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe you have to like. If you're Kevin Adams, and this, again, I I don't know if this is smart or not, but you just say, we're not going to, if we don't get a first, we're not doing it. And then next year, you'll believe me at the deadline. That that quote from Burke was definitely on my mind. And I think that's why waiting it out would have been better. I don't know if the offer would have gone up, but if you see the prices the next day and you see that there's no one available and you know Boston has had trouble scoring goals all year and needs offensive help and has and there's one player available who can create offense from his playmaking, I think you can sell that a little more, especially as the deadline starts coming. And I think folding the night before is where I have a big problem with the trade. Obviously, Taylor Hall's no move played a big role in that. Um, The only other potential suitor, I think, was probably the Leafs, and they didn't seem that interested for whatever reason. So once that trade went down, it was probably just Boston. And especially also the Islanders when they picked up Paul Mary. I think the Islanders were very much in on Hall. Yeah. And they decide on Paul Mary and then mm-hmm. the interest levels like, hey, if we can get them for like a third or a fourth, we'll do it. But yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I think for Hall, uh, the no move clause, I think he was scarred by being traded to the Coyotes last year and that completely not working out. So having control over that, I definitely empathize with him and I'm happy for him that he's going to a team that can win. I see your point on game theory of like Kevin Adams, not wanting to surrender so that he can prove a point, but like Tom Sweeney's doing game theory too. And like, if he all of a sudden surrenders his asking price, like like, he's not doing that. Mm -hmm. I also think it's probably a way that, I mean, I I, listen, I think Buffalo fans are already kind of 
out on Kevin Adams, but um, you could take that back to your fan base and say, hey, look, Taylor Hall killed my market. He only wanted to go one place and they weren't going to give me anything for him. And it would have, in the long run, not helped this team to, to even make this move. Yeah, but how many people are they going to villainize and scapegoat until the fan base is like, stop? <laughs> Who cares? Oh, yeah, he's gone anyway. The same people crushing them today or yesterday or whenever would have crushed him to say, well, if you could have gotten a second, you got to get a second. Like That could be, you know, look at all the great players taking the second. I, I don't know if explaining that would have gone over well. Or, or maybe, good, yeah. It's a good Buffalo impression, though. I like that. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> I don't do impression. I don't know if you do that. I have, I have no I idea. Do I just assume they. I just assume you were in like Anchor Bar once, and you heard a guy eating wings. He's like, "Oh, do you like these wings? Aren't they great?" And you're just like, "That's a, that's a Buffalo guy right there." <laughs> All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. <laughs> Let's go um, to the top of the list. Actually, let me ask you this, guys. Not to stay on Taylor Hall any longer than we have to, but... When you let's predict next year, and we're both going to be doing this again, is he in a top mm. fifty on our list, Taylor Hall, based on what he does in the playoffs this year and in Boston, and then wherever he is in, in free agent land? Top I'm just projecting. For I him. think he's got to. I think right Boston's got to go on a long run, and he's got to be a very big part of it. Top three scorer. He was barely top 50 to begin with. He was 34 on ESPN list and 39 to 50 for us. So after this year, it would be, I think, very difficult to get back there. Con Smythe, is he on your top 50? Con Smythe, maybe. Um, But he's been, like the season has been bad. Oh, which side? I thought he, he was bad because of his teammates and stuff. Like I'm I, saying he's on a good team now mm-hmm. and he's going to play in the playoffs and be good. It'll Yeah, it's just tough to eliminate everything that happened at over like, what, there's like 15 games left or whatever. So it would have to be a very long playoff run. And I, I hope he goes on. I hope he goes on a tear because I am a big Hall fan. Uh, we have the same birthday. So you guys are just vibing. All right. If he, <laughs> if he doesn't perform... Well, like if he has a bad playoff, mm-hmm. I think he's banned from the list. I don't think he's oh, wow. on the list ever again. Yeah, actually, we do need done. a banned list. That'd be good. I actually do agree. <laughs> like if he plays badly, he's not even top hundred. I don't think at this yeah, point, he's just banned forever. We're gonna put his picture up next to the list and say you can't let this man on this list. Is that something we have to entertain? Maybe Taylor Hall is not as good as we think he is. Sorry, I'm just looking up Anton Kadobin, David Schlemko. And Chad Rudwheel are all very, very... Oh, Jesse Pugliarvi. Very underrated players. Born on my birthday. <laughs> your birthdays? <laughs> Good vibes. Oh. Wow. I think I win that one. Um, what, you can look it up, birthday? but it's May 7th. <laughs> <laughs> Josh That's Anderson. Interesting. What's, <laughs> what, how can I look it up? What, now that you mention it, what are what are also the last four numbers of your social? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My credit card number can be seen here. Tom, what's your your two? Uh, what's your Twitter password? That would have been <laughs> helpful. Um, let's jump to the top of the list because um, Austin Matthews is having an incredible year, uh, just ridiculous season. And uh, we had him in our top three, top pair, top tier. I've already lost track of what we call these things. And we were actually prepared for some blowback that really never came, right, Dom? I don't think anybody was mad we had him at a, a McKinnon. McDavid. People were mad at me. I didn't get any blowback. I got a lot of blowback. I, I, I just sent them to you. Yeah, I got I so much. Where did we have them? I also didn't read the comments, so that's why. Mm-hmm. I think everyone loved We the had them six. Mm-hmm. Not bad, who but... Did we, who did we have them in front of again? Or, or in back of, rather? You guys had them six, which is way uh, clearly way too low right now. Um, it was, you had Dreisaitl above them. Uh, Victor Hedman, who you said was the best player in the world. I have no problem. Ar- I have no problem Artemi with that. Panarin. No. Okay. I mean, these aren't bad. I mean, we're talking about the best players in the league, mm-hmm. but he's better than, he's much better than Dreisaitl. Um, Not much better. He's better. 
He's, he's, I would, I would, if you gave me both of them and said start your franchise and taking Austin Matthews like ninety nine times out of a hundred. Yeah, um, I don't think that makes him much better, but he's better. No, I sixth. You know, I he's better. Than seems him, low, doesn't I think, it? I don't know who I'm removing. So it, it, but it, I, I it does. does. No, low. I mean, I, th- I think I move Panarin too. I think, I think you know, he's probably, uh, like third or fourth. Okay. If you want, if if I was going to make this list now, and it was just my list, it'd be like Connor, Hedman, McKinnon, Matthews, and that. I thought Hedman was first. Sort of yeah, around that order. Which, which well, I'm is- saying no. I'm saying I'm saying those are my top four. Mm-hmm. I'd have to, I actually have to like go into deep into the numbers dom to figure out who they mm-hmm. would be, where they would finish. But I think that'd probably be my top four right now. Is that kind of where you guys are, or no? Leaving goalies out of the equation. Yeah. Oh, my Taurus boy, Anton Kudobin, would be in my top four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do they share a birthday with me? That's that's really weird. We I, stand a Taurus. Uh, I'm an Austin Matthews. Like, I've, I'm, I love Austin yeah. Matthews. He's, so, to answer your question, who am I taking? If you're moving Connor McDavid from the, the, the equation, and I'm who am I taking to start a franchise? Austin Matthews is yeah. my pick next. Uh, let's, ask, uh, let's go around the – who are you taking after McDavid? Um, I would take Austin. Yeah. I don't know what that means, Dom. I would take Austin. Greg? Besides Victor Hedman. Well, I mean, it's there's an age factor here. I mean, he's younger than McKinnon, and he's younger than Hedman. So, of course, I'm going to take Matthews. All right. So, he has to be top three on your list, then. Right. He will be. <laughs> Next year when it's correct. <laughs> Um, he's he's got that he's got the uh, he's got the opposite momentum of a, of an Anthony Mantha. He's moving up the list. He's moving up the list. All right. I think the issue with our list, or not the issue, but um, a lot of people were bedazzled is the word I would use by what Artemi Panarin did last yes. year. Yes. And I still think he is one of the most gifted offensive players in the team, but he's got some things going on off the ice. Like I think he's dealing with a back injury that's limiting him a bit. He's dealing with a team that's not very talented around him, and he can't drag him every year. So like. Still top 10 player, but wherever we put him and, was probably a little too high. And as Emily mentioned before, we also have a lot of Ranger fans at ESPN as well. How many people voted in your thing? I feel like you're really passing the buck here. Oh, we had a good number. We had a, a, a healthy number. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as you know, Craig, from experience, there's a lot of hockey fans in Bristol. You just don't get to see all of them all the time. Hey, congratulations on the TV deal. We didn't even... No, did we talk about that? You. Yeah. Congratulations, you guys. No. Sincerely. Well, we did last time. Um. All right. So, all right. Moving to the other on D, the guys I wanted to talk about before we were done here. Um, one. Well, okay, right, let's do the Seth Jones conversation just because Dom's dying. <laughs> and Dom's right. You guys can't see this at home, but Dom's raising his fist in the air, celebrating. I don't know why you'd want to celebrate Seth Jones not having a great year. That's terrible. First of all, I think Seth is a great dude and deserves better. Um, Seth Jones. Tom, where, where is he at right now for you? Not on this list. Not in the <laughs> top 100? Come on. I, oh, my gosh. I just feel so, so, so vindicated by this terrible season Seth Jones has had where for an entire offseason, I was ridiculed for saying Seth Jones is not that good from, I think, everyone on this podcast. And <laughs> I'm here now for my victory lap on Seth Jones, who in no way, shape, or form is better than Dougie Hamilton. I mean, we can't even argue it. You can't. want to. You can't. You probably couldn't have uh, last year, but you did anyway. And I won. <laughs> I won that battle. The only thing I'd say is that this is a very anomalous year. There's a lot of things going on that make it unique um, from the protocols to stresses and strains to everything else. And there, and he's not the only guy who is traditionally very, very good that has been quite bad. So that's the, I'm, I, you could take your victory lap. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I, w- I would put that as the caveat is, you know, let's get back to a normal 82 um, and and I'll, I'll see what we've got, but but I, I I would agree that his stock is is certainly plummeted for 
the people on this podcast, if not necessarily for some of the people I talked to for the player poll that I did, who still held Seth Jones in, in some esteem. It'll take years um, for people to can I ask you a game. question? Yeah. Yes. Go ahead, Ed. I know he's out right now, but what do you think of Zach Wierenski? I thought he's been, he was playing a lot better um, this year. I didn't look too much into his numbers. I know when he and Jones were a pair, he was, they're both sort of sinking. I don't know if they were separated for a little bit, but his numbers seem a lot better than Jones's this year. And he still has a similar stature to where he was to start the year. Um, I think Jones was probably a bigger problem. I just think it's interesting because I felt like in that pairing, it was always like, oh, this is the best young pairing in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But Zach always was a little underrated in it. It was always mostly Seth getting the love. And I felt like Zach is a much better individual player than we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. Emily, I think you wrote the story. So forgive me. If I, but uh, to Greg's point about how this year's weird, one of the things that stands out when, when I talk to people, they, they, I don't, they're like, I don't think people understand how hard this year's been. In fact, somebody I was talking to in Dallas said, um, the bubble was way better. Like we, we heard all the complaints about the bubble. They're like, I would take ten bubbles over what we're going through. Yeah, or, you know what, what they had to go through to start the year, losing a bunch of players, and then you're playing every other night at this breakneck. How much of a toll, Emily? When you talk to players, do you think that's taking on people in terms of performance? Yeah, I mean that was the biggest shocking quote in the story that I wrote. It's like. In Edmonton, they were all making fun of the common area, which they called the prison yard because it literally was a pavement yard with very harsh spotlights and like a Tim Hortons truck and a basketball hoop. And they're like, I missed the prison yard. Um, And yeah, I I do think there's a lot of guys who are quietly struggling, not really comfortable opening up about it, but it's just monotonous for them. It's a mental grind and um, it hasn't gotten better. Like, you know, I think the the situation with the Canucks really spooked a lot of teams and spooked the NHL of saying, like, I know everyone's kind of easing up, but, like, we're not there yet. And, and that's really dispiriting. So I think Greg is bang on where if we talk about some of these players, just keeping into context the isolation of the season, literally and figuratively, um, impacting them. And maybe this is something they can get out of when they get a little more normalcy. I mean, my work's been affected. Like, no. I don't think I've been 100%. Have I, no, you guys? no. I mean, but just some uh, very pragmatic not having access to people has hurt my work, all of our works. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the couple of the GMs I've talked to said in particular, like, to watch the younger players. Like, one told me anybody that's shipping out a 23-year-old because they're having a down year this year is insane because of just how unbelievably stressful. Like, we're talking about young like single dudes living away from home, in some cases living away from them from their countries and having to live a life of isolation, basically, where it's just like empty apartment, rink, empty apartment, empty hotel room for the about for like over a year. And 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 what's that done to them? Like it's not something that you can necessarily point to and be like, excuse this person's performance, because that's not how sports fans work. But it's definitely how the executives in the league, I think, are are looking at some of their more underwhelming performances that they've seen from certain players this year. Don, meanwhile, is having a career year at the Athletic. So, I mean, I can't. (laughs) What about the pandemic makes you thrive, Dom? Well, (laughs) I don't have to talk to anyone to do my job. So I feel like you're all living my world now. And I thrive (laughs) in that environment where I can just say what I want and not have to speak to anyone so nothing has changed for me i'm just doing my thing as it is and as for the rest of my life um i don't know i don't have any complaints dom are you walking through airports with canisters of covid to try to continue the pandemic (laughs) it's playing so well in your favor uh no i would very much like to go out and drink okay fair enough the first time in a year that would be nice I have also not drank in a year. Um, Go out (laughs) and drink. (laughs) All right. We got to wrap up. The two I want to hit real quick. I do want to give Dom a Dougie Hamilton, another victory lap. Dougie Hamilton has been awesome. We fought over Dougie. Less me and Dom, or more me and Dom maybe than when we had you two on. I forget where you guys had Dougie. 42. What what did they have him? 42nd overall. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, so Dougie was – you guys would concede that at this point? Dougie was too low? We yeah. knew he was too low when the list came out. Yeah, okay. that, was not, that was not our doing. 
Oh, here we go. We literally, you should not have us on. Poor Steve Levy or whoever the other person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was, was, listen, it was, it was more than like, uh, it was many, many people that contributed to it. And if I remember correctly, Slavin was also like criminally low. But but Mm -hmm. Emily and I are, are, you know, on the record, died in the wool, uh, Slavin and Hamilton Marks. So, you know, it's not, not us that's rating them, you know, where they were rated. All right. But so let me, let me. Push it forward. What's his next contract look like? And is is it in Carolina? Who don't like to pay for things? We know that. Tom Dundon came on the podcast and essentially said that. Yes, it's in Carolina. I think okay. for uh, the player, the fit is important. I think he feels comfortable there. He feels valued there, um, and I think he wants to stay. Money is interesting. It's just it's hard because I think in a typical year we'd know what his value is. Yeah. Um, but we don't know. I think around seven mil. How's that sound? Sounds light to me. Probably. But um, again, considering the Carolina market discount, All they're right. also pretty good at that space, right? What's the market for Dougie Hamilton? That's true. We like him probably more than like the reality, mm-hmm. uh, you know, than p- people that are going to cut these checks. People can't see it on the Zoom, but I'm making the giant air quotes. He doesn't fit the culture in some places. That's his, that's his rap, right? Still? Are we still doing that? I mean, it's hard to shake it, right? Craig, he goes to museums. <laughs> I think I think Carolina's gonna have a I think Carolina's gonna have a huge offseason, you know, big playoff. And I think that that's a narrative and that can go away too. It, you know, it, with a long playoff run. They've got a lot of decisions to make this summer though. Like all of their goalies come off the books. <laughs> um you've got Dougie Hamilton, you've got Martinuk, McGinn, those are good players if you like to keep Fogel. And then Trocek, you'd think they'd like to keep. Um, Who's going to coach the team when Rod goes to Seattle? Like all these decisions that they have to figure out. They got to pay Rod too. I honestly think there's an issue sometimes though when you look at the rest of contracts on a book and a player can't make way more than his teammates. Mm. And so like the highest paid player there is Ajo at 8.46. Like I don't think he can be above Ajo. But then you got to slave it on the budget, budget deal of 5.3 million. Ah, but can't he be above Aho because Aho wasn't there doing? <laughs> Aho was someone else giving Aho that contract, and then they had. They to do have it. an out there. If, if you yeah. Do we think Jacob Slave is going to be mad if he's making three million less than Dougie Hamilton? No, he's so nice. He's a sweet angel. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He you is. can't. You can't. You can't be the defenseman who's going to win Lady Bing and be angry about a contract. They're uh, mutually exclusive. All right. We so we think he stays. All right. And last one is Adam Fox. Uh, we had him on the. I'm, I'm ending. I'm ending with a few of our wins, just because I. It's my podcast. Because you did the rundown. That's right. Yeah. Um, Adam Fox, we had on the list. I think Dom, you have him as like your Norris winner. Like you're all in on Adam Fox. I I am all in. Uh, before we get to Adam Fox, I want to note that Slavin is also a Taurus. Um, no wonder he wouldn't get angry. <laughs> I think we get angry because we're bulls. We're not. We're very reasonable people. Um, yeah, I, I love Fox this year. I think. The fact he is producing as much as Hedman, um, he the has the, the on-ice number. The best player in the league. Um, he has the on-ice numbers that are truly tremendous on a team that isn't very good otherwise. And the big thing for me is he's doing that in some of the toughest minutes in the league entirely. And I think that was one of the reasons we had him lower on our top 100 list to start the year mm-hmm. and why he might not have made the ESPN list altogether is there were questions of whether he could handle that role and he's not only handled it he's somehow thrived in it well i think a lot i think one of the problems with our ranking is a lot of the ranger fans that we had in our uh pool were like you're gonna tell me this guy's better than tony d (laughs) and uh it was a big stumbling point Uh, the thing i love about fox i I interviewed him uh, for a q a recently and i love the fact that his father was is a huge rangers fan and his father's favorite player was Brian Leach. Mm. And now his father gets to read stories about how his son is the next Brian Leach. Like, imagine making your father that proud. I'm not trying to get into some sort of edible thing here or anything with my <laughs> own situation. But imagine making your father that proud where people are saying that you are the next version of his favorite thing. Mm. It's incredible. And we can talk offline. Okay. Cool. I don't know. Can we talk this through? I don't think I've ever made my dad that proud, to be honest. Like, if we're really being honest. <laughs> right. We're opening it up right. to the couch. Yeah. The couch. Oh, see, I engineered my entire career path because I'm a middle child and I'm middle child complex. So that now I'm his favorite. He's very, very proud. Yeah, of your me. dad, I have to imagine, is very proud. 
Like if somebody was writing an article saying Greg Wyshynski just created a better tasting maker's mark. Do you understand how proud my dad would be of me? Mm. Uh, but uh, but no, that's 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 the proxy for the Brian Leach thing. I like Fox and I agree that he should be in the top 100. I think maybe we were looking at a little bit of a sample size issue when the list mm-hmm. was put together. That's fair. Where is he on your list next year? What's what's our prediction? We're going to have him high, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Mm. I could see him at 50. Honestly, knowing the uh, electorate, I would say it depends on whether or not he gets a, Norma, a Norris nomination. Oh, do you think he? I th- do we think he will? We know the voting pool well enough. I, don't, I think he finished top five at this point. I think he will too. I think him and Hedman are guaranteed, and then it just becomes that. I don't. I don't. Dom, I forget what your what your top three was in the last awards watch. But for me, and, and Pool and some people, I think that third spot in the Norris is the one I'm looking at and saying, okay, how does the division realignment affect this? Because you mm-hmm. could make the argument for a, a nurse. You can make the argument for a Petrie. Mm. You could make the argument for a number of people in in other divisions. And then it just becomes a matter of, do those people have enough internal support from the new voting format in the PHWA? Um, or is it going to be the sort of known commodity John Carlson type who gets the nod if somehow he gets a plus rating at some point? So I, I, I think Fox and Hedman are probably like cemented in some ways based on hype and, and acceptance. But then that third spot's the mystery for me. I think I had someone from Colorado. Because they have, yeah. just happen to have three unreal right. defensemen this year. Um, I don't know if they cannibalize each other's votes or whatnot, or if someone just says, "Well, Colorado, yeah, Macar, it, sure." That I think that the, 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 the only thing holding Macar back would be the number of games. But at the end of the day, you might have enough where people are just like in a in a fifty six game season that this will do, and then he gets the other point, the other yeah. uh, nomination. The division thing I think is going to impact. I think people underestimate like i don't know if you saw shana goldman's story and how we should be voting for the norris i think stories like that end up having an outsized impact on the vote right because what what ends up happening is when you don't see if you're focused on your division or you're not seeing you're making phone calls and then you start to read a lot of things and you in so when there's a when there's a story that seems to carry some weight um whether it be dom's ratings or what you guys are doing or shana's story i i think people end up seeing that and they go that's really well thought out that makes a lot of sense and it, and it ends up impacting a high, higher number it, than people realize. I think you're right because I think where that's impacted the most in the last maybe decade is the Selkie. Like mm. the things that Dom writes, the things that Berkshire writes. Like mm. I, I, people are a lot more educated about the ins and outs of that award than they've ever been before. And I think it's been reflected in in the, in the support for people like uh, Philip Deneau or, or the support for people like Mark Stone and, and players like that that maybe not have, would not have gotten support otherwise where it's been such a reputation-based award. For sure. I, and I think that in general awards, not to go on a tangent, but awards voting, that's that's definitely happened where it was it was a lot of reputation. It took five years of being good before you'd get a Norris vote. You know, like I think I think everything happens much faster now because of that. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's it. Thank you guys for doing this. And even though I didn't tell you why you were coming on, you still did it and you still did it wonderfully. <laughs> this is um, this is not a full sixty. I just want to point that out. I, I, it always irks me when we get shortchanged on this <laughs> you want extended? damn podcast. <laughs> no, I don't. I know I don't. I, I got to go. But no, I just want to point out that, like, for the record, I wish I wish you'd reflect this in the title of the podcast. Okay, first of all, it's less. My uh, listeners know my ad reads are all at least seven minutes, and that oh, counts. that's true. I'm not factoring in the ad reads. You know, uh, I start telling anecdotes about why. Uh, you know, yeah. The, we may be over is. 60 now it, we're probably with the, yeah we factor that in in a long rambling outro where i'm mm. plugging you know the rest of our your work and and we'll get it there don't worry okay but i just it's very important to me same <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> thank you <laughs> I want to thank Emily and Dom and Greg for joining the podcast. I was telling producer Jeff, I wish that was the podcast every week. I have so much fun with the four of us. That w- I mean, obviously we're at rival companies. It could never happen, but I clearly am looking for excuses to get that group together. It's a fun conversation. It's insightful. Um, it's entertaining. And I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. And I wanted to point out one thing and talk this through a little bit um, with you because we recorded this on a Tuesday. 
We talked a lot about the Buffalo Sabres and Taylor Hall and Kevin Adams and the job he did on that trade. Um, and I think it was Greg pointed out, uh, or maybe it was Emily, that he, here's a guy in Kevin Adams who hasn't gotten a ton of support since being named the GM after Jason Botterill was fired. And uh, and we recorded this in a day later, the Buffalo Sabres make a hire in bringing in Jason Carmanos as associate general manager. And I want to say um, that's a really good sign if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan during a season in which there hasn't been a ton of good news uh, on a couple of accounts. This front office clearly needed somebody with more experience. And I think it was Wish mentioned, you know, maybe they need Jim Rutherford to come in as a president of hockey operations or something. Well, this is, uh, you know, this is one version of that. And I can tell you, it's funny in mentioning Jim Rutherford, um, throughout his time with Jason Carmanos in Carolina, where they won a cup together, and in Pittsburgh, where they won two cups together, Jim Rutherford was always effusive in his praise for Jason. And I I can tell you, like, behind the scenes, it wasn't all, you know, just public. And I can give you an example, because um, for years I've been doing a 40 under 40 list, or another version of that is, you know, I used to do it at ESPN, especially assistant GMs that were, um, most likely to get a GM job or most deserving of a promotion. And, you know, one of the things I do for do, I, I make calls around the league and just say, hey, is there somebody that you think should be on this list? Or are we forgetting somebody? And I share it and kind of just audit it before it goes to publication. And I know multiple times Jim Rutherford would say, you know, Jason Carmanos doesn't get enough attention on this front. He, he does a lot of things kind of quietly behind the scenes, not a person that, um, you know, really s- seek the spotlight. Um, and if you look, you know, he was a smart guy. I, I know he was into the analytics side of things with Pittsburgh. Um, and he, he was successful. He's got, you know, three Stanley Cup rings. And so in years and years of experience as an assistant general manager. And so if you're looking for any signs that Buffalo at least is doing something to address the issues there, I, I think um, I think this is a good sign because clearly Kevin Adams is somebody who, do, you know, didn't have that executive experience. You want, if you believe in somebody like that, which Buffalo, you would assume they do if they're giving him that big promotion, you want to give them the support staff um, that you, you that reflects that lack of experience. And I think this is smart. And I think we're seeing it in other teams that have had success. Like, look at Florida. Brings in Bill Zito. Uh, now, Bill has had a ton of experience both as an agent as an assistant GM, but this is his first GM job. And I think they were smart in Florida. They've surrounded him with multiple former GMs in Paul Fenton and in Rick Dudley. Like, that's a very experienced front office. They have a couple former AGMs on staff in Paul Kropelka, um, Les Jackson. So it's smart. And, you know, the more smart people and the more experienced people you can surround somebody that's new on the job with, the better you're going to be. You don't want to leave them on an island. I think for too long this season, that's exactly what Buffalo had done with Kevin Adams. So wanted to update that portion of things um, because I know we referenced them. We referenced uh, the Sabres. Before we wrap up, just want to make sure I'm plugging a couple of our other podcasts going on. Good trade deadline recap from Pierre and Scott, who did some great work for us uh, throughout the trade deadline. Scott Burnside, of course, did his annual winners and losers, which is a must read after every trade deadline. Pierre brought you all the inside scoops. And I, one of my favorite things that Pierre does every year is after the trade deadline, how some, some, of, some of the biggest deals came together. And he had a really smart piece on the Anthony Mantha trade. So check that out. But make sure you listen to the two-man advantage. Um, of course, listen to the Athletics Hockey Show, starring Ian Mendez. And if you didn't listen to the Full 60 last week with Ian, he was fantastic. I, I loved that episode. So give that a listen. He's a really interesting guy. Um, good friend Chris Johnson joined James Merle and Jonas Siegel on the Leaf Report. Another trade deadline recap that CJ is in the know. We all care what CJ thinks. And um, I, I definitely give that a listen. Another, Matt Hendricks, another great talker, the assistant director of player development for the Minnesota Wild. He joined Mike Russo. So many good guests this week on the podcast. Lots of good hockey and the Athletic Podcast Network. So check out Mike Russo's Straight from the Source to hear from Matt Hendricks. Another fantastic, oh, what a great dude he is. Um, last but not least, 
If you're not subscribing to The Athletic, take advantage of the deal that Full 60 listeners get. Go to theathletic.com slash full 60 and you're getting in at $3.99 per month. Really good deal as we ramp up for the playoffs here. That's theathletic.com slash full 60 and it's $3.99 a month. All right, that's it. Thanks again to Dom, Emily, and Gregory. Thank you for listening and have a great week.